0: Glad to see you, because that means that you survived Christmas. Remember the slide from last week? If you have kids, you just feel like survival sometimes, right? Uh, How many of you traveled for Christmas? Come on, seriously? Just a couple of you? uh, Typically, everybody travels over Christmas season. I looked up some stats for traveling... And really, more people travel during this time of the year, these these two weeks, uh, more than any other time of the year. And actually, Christmas travel this year set a record. I know that might excite some of you, but for the most part, you don't care, but you're going to listen anyway. (laughs) All right, so uh, if you flew, which based on the hands that were raised, I guess it was none of you, um, 41 million flyers. That's that's a lot. That's up six percent. And you might say, ooh, hoop de Six <laughs> percent. But but listen, six percent a six percent increase in those numbers means hundred and twenty six thousand more people per day got on a plane. That's remarkable. I hate airports, don't you? I'm glad I wasn't one of those people. Glad I wasn't one of the six percent, right? So if you're driving, which most of us drove, most of us do that, it it was projected that 112 million people hit the roads to travel over Christmas. Now that is also a new record. And when you think about it, that literally means one-third of the country's population was on the road at the same time. Busy. I hate traffic too. So, uh, we like to travel. Some of you like to travel a whole lot, so uh, I'll get you to fill out a visitor card before we leave. Uh, welcome back to church, if you're traveling. Um, here's the thing, though. Rarely do we travel without reason, all right? There may be a few exceptions. Back in your college days, we won't tell anybody. You heard these things called road trips, right? You just go and you, you don't need a reason, you just go. But we don't do that once we get away from college, do we? We we don't travel for for no reason, right? It costs money, right? We we think about those things. We we don't do unnecessary road trips anymore. We almost always travel with reason. And for those of you that like to travel internationally, uh, those of you that go on mission trips regularly, you you know when you go into another country, what do they ask you? What's your reason for travel? Uh, if you say, I don't know, just see what happens, right? <laughs> you, you always have a reason for travel. Last week, we talked about Jesus coming to us, uh, about Jesus traveling to us. The Son of God traveled from heaven to be with us, and the same concept applies. Uh, Jesus didn't just travel without reason. It wasn't an accident that Jesus came. It it wasn't a random occurrence, you see. Jesus came for a very specific reason, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Why Jesus came. Why the Son of God came to us. And so I want to walk us through just a few truths this morning. First of all, Jesus came to show us God. He came to show us God. Last week, we looked at the prophecy in Isaiah in the Old Testament. And that prophecy was that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. And he would be called Emmanuel, which later we found out that that meant God with us. You ever think about that? Jesus came to be God with us. He came to show us God. We also talked about this in the Old Testament, how Moses wanted to see God, and he asked God to show him his face. I want to see you, God. And God's response was, no man can see me and live. So what God did in the Old Testament, and if, if you're familiar with the Bible, you pick up on this. God reveals himself in different ways. Maybe it's a burning bush. Maybe it's a cloud. Maybe it's smoke. Maybe it's a pillar of fire, you see. He revealed his presence in those ways, but he never fully revealed his presence. So Moses wanted to see God. and In the New Testament, it's, it's the same thing. There was a guy named Philip, one of Jesus' friends, one of Jesus' own disciples. And it's interesting that even though Jesus was with Philip, Philip asked Jesus to see God. I want to see God. I want to see the Father. Philip begged Jesus to show him the Father, to show him God. And look at this in John 14.9. This is Jesus' response. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You share that with some Mormons and see what they do. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You know, what Philip wasn't aware of, he didn't get it at the time, was that Jesus was God. Jesus was God, and that's the mystery of the Trinity, and we don't have time to go into that this morning, but God exists As three persons. God has revealed himself to us, to this world, and in his word, in the scriptures, as three persons. Same God. One God. Three persons. And so the mystery is, even though Jesus was the son of God, we use the term son so we can understand it a little bit better. Jesus was fully God. He was called son of God because he was born of a woman. But he wasn't God's son, if you know what I mean. He was God in the flesh. He, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The exact imprint of God's nature. That's what God's word teaches us. Yes, God, God did miracles. God walked on water. He raised the dead. He did all these things. Have you ever thought about it, that only God can do that? He did all those things. Jesus was fully human and fully God. He was God in incarnate God in the flesh and what's so interesting is if you read through the New Testament and you see Jesus you see what he says and you see how he lives you see how he acts you see what he does who are you looking at you're looking at God isn't that amazing you're seeing God moving talking ministering teaching and loving in a very powerful way but what you are also seeing is God doing all those things in a very personal way Through the person of Jesus. So, through Jesus, God is revealed to the world. Jesus came to show us God. Second thing, Jesus came to show us how to live. Jesus came to show us how to live. You know, uh, if you're familiar with YouTube, you can learn to do just about anything on YouTube, can't you? Uh, you can learn how to tie a tie on YouTube. Uh, rebuilding an engine. Some of you get excited about that. Changing oil. Learning to play a musical instrument. Uh, we were on vacation. Seem, seemed like it was just a couple years ago, but actually it was a long time ago. And I like to fish, and so I was fishing and had been all day fishing. Didn't catch much. Well, Angela comes out and joins me and spends maybe 30 minutes and catches uh, a big flounder. So anybody, if you're familiar with that, you know what what those look like. Um, They're they're flat, uh, pretty big, you know, pretty round, and both of their eyes are on top of their heads, really nasty looking things. So uh, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to clean that thing, and we're going to eat it. And so I had no idea. I know how to clean a regular fish, but how do you clean something that looks like a tortilla? <laughs> right? Uh, and it has eyes on its head. What do you do with those? So guess what I did? I looked on YouTube, and I did it, and I did it perfectly. It was just, it was great. But, but that shows us that what, what are we? What are we? We are visual learners. All teachers will tell you that. Uh, We are visual learners. And here is the thing. We needed an example of how to live. We needed a visual example. Why? Hey, look, we got it wrong so many times. We failed so many times. God sent leaders. We didn't listen. God, uh, God wrote his commands on tablets, We didn't listen. God sent prophets to speak on his behalf. We didn't listen. Think about it. Each one of those guys, before they spoke, they said, thus saith the Lord. You can't get any more specific than that, can you? We didn't listen. So listen to this. God sent his word, right, because we wouldn't listen to anybody else. God sent his word to us so that we could hear from God in a different way and we could see how God wants us to live by having this perfect example. The way the world was living was so opposite of how God wanted us to live. So Jesus came and he turned this world upside down. But you know what? From God's perspective, he lived right side up. Even though things he he turned things upside down for us, for the world, to God, it was right. It was right. He taught with authority, but yet he lived humbly. His teachings were like nothing the world had heard before, but the truths behind those teachings were exactly what the world desperately needed to hear and see. He taught things like love, like kindness, like forgiveness, like peace. He taught us things like valuing other people. And this radical thing, this radical idea of humility. Imagine that. And serving others. And here's an example of one of his teachings here in Matthew 23, verse 11. The greatest among you will be your servant. Imagine teaching that in a world that just thinks only of themselves. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled And those who humble themselves will be exalted. That was so different than the way the world lived. So Jesus came to teach us the right way. The Son of God came to give us an example. But here's the thing. His intention wasn't just that we would hear Him and see Him. His intention was that we would replicate His example. That we would do what He did. Before Jesus was crucified, He washed His disciples' feet. Just think about that. Just a second. God. God in the flesh. Washing dirty feet. Of his disciples. The, The God that said to Moses. Take off your sandals. For the ground you are standing on is holy. It's the same God that through Jesus took off the sandals of his disciples' feet and he washed them. And, and he did it. He did that with every intention that we would not see that, but that we would look at that and do the same in our own lives. John thirteen fifteen. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you, you see. Through Jesus, we see how God wants us to live. He taught us, he showed us, and he said, I, as I have done for you, you go and do the same. You go and do the same. Look, Jesus came and he lived the life that we were supposed to. And through that, he gave us an example to see, to hear from, and to follow. Right? Next reason Jesus came is Jesus came to save That's big. Jesus came to save. Look at Matthew 1, 21. This is uh, before Jesus is born. And the angel visits and and says this about Mary. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You see, the Son of God came for a reason. And he was given the name Jesus for a reason. Right, That wasn't just a random pull out, a name out of the hat type of thing. He was given that name for a reason. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. There literally is salvation in the name of Jesus. And he came because he was on a rescue mission to rescue us from sin. He came with the purpose of freeing us, of rescuing us from the bondage of sin. Think about this. The day that he was born, angels appeared to shepherds. And they were told, Unto you, this day is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He was born a Savior. And as Jesus grew older, that mission stayed the same. And, and, And Jesus made it crystal clear that he didn't just come to teach. He didn't just come to do things for people. He didn't just come to heal people from certain things. He didn't just come to work miracles, but he came to save. He came to save. Look at this, Jesus' own words, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Came in order to seek and save the lost. You might say lost. What does that mean? Anybody ever lost something? Right? What does that typically mean? Like you, you had something at one time, and now you don't know where it is, right? Anybody ever lost a kid? All right, I will not go on then. I won't give that story if I'm the only one. Uh, but when you see that word lost, it's not like that. It isn't, it isn't like lost in the way that we think of it. It's not that God didn't know where we were. I mean, God knows everything. He, he knows it all. But we were lost from God because of sin. We were on the outside. We were separated. That's what it means to be lost. There was distance. We were lost and we were wandering aimlessly. We were the ones lost. God didn't lose us. We lost ourselves. And God came to us with the purpose of finding us and saving us. Jesus came to save us from sin and bring us back to God so that what once was lost could be found. So that those who were far off can be brought near. So that those who are in darkness can be brought into light. You see that? Jesus came to save, to save all people from sin. But how would he do that? How would the Savior save? How would would he accomplish his mission? Would he show up and say a few words and take away the sins of the world? you ever thought about that? He couldn't do that. You know, doing that wouldn't satisfy a holy God. Ultimately, Jesus came for one main reason. He came to save, but in order to save, Jesus came to die. He came to die. If Jesus came to save people from sin, he had to deal with death, you see. If Jesus came to remove the curse of sin, then he had to incur the penalty Of sin, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. The payment, the penalty, what satisfies, what cancels out sin is death. And that's it. Did Jesus really come to die? Yes. Yes, he did. What about doing miracles? What about those things? What about helping people? What about encouraging people? Jesus did all that, yes. But the main reason in his coming to us was to die. Was to die. John 12. This is Jesus is in Jerusalem and the, uh, the cross is close, near the end of his life. Verse 27 Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Let me ask you this. Would you ever go anywhere with the intention of dying? No. We, we intentionally do the opposite, don't we? Like when we go on road trips, it's our goal to get there safely without dying. Especially me. I, you know, I am just paranoid about this stuff. I look for the safest route. I check out the traffic. I check out wrecks on my phone. I, I'm texting. Probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> but I'm texting my wife and my my son. Are you wearing your seatbelt? Are you going the speed limit? Are you setting your cruise control? Don't text and drive, even though I'm, t- you know, so. <laughs> but, you know, you see, you see we all think that, don't we? Most of us, anyway. Like, I'm, I'm overly cautious about that stuff. And especially when I have to get on planes. Like, I'm reading the manual that, you know, tells you what to do in case of an emergency. That's me. Like, I know, I know, I know how to save you if you're on a plane, I know how to use the flotation device. I know how to pull the seat up, and I know how to do all that. (laughs) Not Jesus. He came to die. His intention was to come to this world to become a man, to become human just so he could die. You ever thought about that? Can God die? No. Can't kill God. How would you even try? God had to become a man in order to be killed. John Piper says this. I love this. love this. The reason he became a man was to die. As God, he could not die for sinners. But as man, he could. His aim was to die. Therefore, he had to be born a man. A man that was born to die. You see, Jesus came to die, and through his death, he saved. You see, it's not the birth of Christ that provides salvation. It's the death of Christ that makes salvation possible. You know, around this time of year we say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Don't we? That's that's good. That's catchy. It's true. Jesus is the reason for the season but the reason for Jesus, you see, we can we can go back a step further. The reason for Jesus was to save the world from sin by coming to die. As we think about the tiny hands of a baby in a manger. Let us remember that they were formed with the intention that one day nails would be driven through them. When, when Jesus was born, he was laid in a, in a wooden trough, trough. And at his death, he was laid on a wooden cross. You see, in the, in the shadow of the manger stands the cross. During Christmas, we should should celebrate the fact that Jesus came. We should celebrate that. We should be joyful that Jesus came. But we should ever be mindful and thankful for the reason he came. He came to die for the sins of the world. If you really think about it, we cannot fully understand or appreciate Christmas without seeing Calvary on the horizon. Can't. It means so much more. So that is the reason Jesus came. He came to die. And as we pr- prepare to close, I want us to consider what the death of Jesus accomplished. What did the death of Jesus do for you and me? Well, Jesus' death means my life. Jesus' death means my life. You know, you may have heard that. You may be familiar with that. But I just want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus died for you, yes. Most of us get that. But here's what really happened. Jesus died instead of you. That's completely different, isn't it? Jesus died for you, but Jesus died instead of you. Jesus died in, in our place. 1 John 4.10, look at this. This is love, not that we loved God, Not that anything that we could do made a difference on our part, but that God loved us and, look, sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Atoning there means satisfaction or complete payment. It was only through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus that our sins could be paid for. That's it. Jesus dying in my place satisfied the wrath of God toward my sin, toward our sin. Only God could do that. That's the one thing that we could never do. You think our death means anything to God? It couldn't. We deserved it. You see. Jesus had to be fully man to take our place, and pay the penalty of sin. But he had to be fully God in order to be the perfect sacrifice, you see. That man can never be. So what does that mean for us? Well, for those that have placed their faith in Jesus, it means our debts are canceled. Isn't that good? Our debts are canceled. The debt that we owed has been paid in full. Not set up on some kind of payment arrangement, but it's canceled. It's done. It's paid. And now what do we have? We have an opportunity to have a new life that we didn't deserve, that we can never buy, that we can never save up for, that we can never earn. We can never achieve on our own. We have an opportunity to have that life. It means that sin no longer controls my life. It means that I am now a child of God and considered righteous through his son's perfect sacrifice. That's what it means. And now that I'm no longer a slave to sin, I have a new life that I can live and honor God. Look at this, First Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins. You see, there's that language again. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Isn't that good? Jesus' purpose was to give his life for mine. To give his life for you. And now, what is our purpose? To give my life back to him. To give it over. And to live my new life feeling joyful. Thankful, undeserving, grateful, wanting to show my appreciation through how I live, to aspire to become more like Jesus each and every day, to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus. You know, I know this is difficult to do. And just me being a pastor, it's, it's odd. Because I struggle with this too. You know, I'm not perfect. Nobody is. We all struggle with sin still. We all struggle in living holy lives. We all struggle in living righteous lives. We all struggle in walking with God. We all have doubts. We all have insecurities. We all have weaknesses. We all have that. But I'm thankful that God never lets me go. That God brings me along and He reminds me of what He did for me on the cross. That I may die to sin. To sins, actually, plural. And live for righteousness. As we come to the end of another year, isn't this good? As we come to the end of a year, maybe this is a good time to look back on, on your life and to see if some things need to change. Don't wait till the beginning of a new year to set goals. Start now. Look back. Maybe this is a good time to reflect on your walk with God. Maybe for some of you, this is a good time to repent. And be honest. And, and turn to God. Turn from the life that you're living. Turn around on the road that you're on and turn back to God. And put your face upon the cross. Christ bore our sins so that we would die to sin and live for righteousness. And I think for all of us, including myself, that's a good goal to have, isn't it? Living righteously is a good goal to have in light of what Jesus did for us. Why did Jesus come? This last truth is what I want to penetrate into your soul today. The Son of God came to die so that we may live. All right? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We talked about some reasons that he came this morning. But ultimately, he came for one reason. And that was to die. To save us through his death. To live a perfect life that we can never live. But yet to lay his own life down on the cross to be a sacrifice in my place. And through that, through that, our sins are forgiven. Father, for those that have placed their faith in that, in that exchange, in what Christ did for them on the cross, for those that believe that, Father, I pray that we would live lives that prove we believe that, that reflect what you did for us, that show us how appreciative we are of the sacrifice you've made, to show how grateful we are of the love that you showed to us, and to to, Commit and honor you with a new life that you had now given us through Christ Jesus. Father, what amazing love that is. That you would come here with the sole purpose of dying for us. We are so thankful this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.